something that is critical. If you're going to be launching, if you're going to be growing your company, if you're going to be scaling, you've got to have a messaging strategy in your marketing. The problem is most people don't understand what even messaging strategy is. So I had Colby Flood from Brighter Click on the show. This guy absolutely knows his stuff when you come to marketing. He explained and walked us through exactly what messaging strategy is and how to set it up and then how to optimize it so that you can get more leads and close more deals. Definitely check this one out. Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. And welcome to Sastry in the Making. Thank you very much for being here. I am Matt Wallach. I'm your host. I am here to help you accelerate your software company so you can close more deals, get more leads, and get an amazing valuation. And I'm really excited for today's show because I've got Colby Flood with me. Colby, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. Absolutely. I'm really glad that you're here. I'm excited to talk about what we're going to dive into today. And let me make sure everybody knows who you are, Colby. So Colby, he is the CEO and founder at BrighterClick. This is a growth agency specializing in creative and paid media strategy. They are a growth partner for startups and have been a, have been part of growth through $274 million in series round fundings. That is a lot. They know what they're talking about there. This agency, BrighterClick, they have received five prestigious marketing awards just in 2022 for their creative and paid media work. They do awesome stuff. Colby himself is also a member of the Forbes Business Council Entrepreneur Leadership Network and is also a startup mentor. So he's all about helping others. Colby, once again, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for the uh, the warm introduction. I totally didn't give you that data there to, to share there, but <laughs> appreciate it. I'm looking forward to diving into a couple of things with you. Likewise. So tell me what's going on with you lately and what's coming up for you guys at BrighterClick. Yeah. So it's been an exciting 2022 so far. So um, we grew a lot last year, 250%. And um, as I'm sure you know, with growth, there is some peaks and there is some valleys or troughs. So uh, we grew quite a bit 2021. We spent Q1 and part of Q2 just kind of honestly uh, optimizing our org chart and just making sure we had everybody set up uh, for best fit that way. And in Q2, Q3, we began focusing on a new service, uh, which is creative strategy, and really started going towards working with companies to make sure that they have proper uh, branding and also creative strategy for their acquisition efforts. So, uh, so far, it's been an exciting time with that. Looking forward uh, in the next kind of three to six months to continue to push forward with that and uh, continue to help businesses grow there. I love it. So going back, what inspired you to start Brighter Click? What made you build it? Yeah, you know, um, if I'm being honest, I think a lot of agencies are really bad at communication. Uh, and, you know, so I worked in-house, I freelanced, and I always noticed that disconnect between client and agency that way. And, you know, you can have great results, right? But results are expected when you work with an agency. One thing we really focus on is making sure everybody that works with an agency has the great soft skills as well, communication, reporting, those types of things to really help clients not just get results, but learn from what's happening and use that across their business and continue to grow in good ways. So really it was uh, to create an agency that's different that can just uh, communicate properly and really help help customers or clients grow their business that way. 
I love it. And super important. I know a lot of people out there, they're running software companies and they're trying to think of how they can grow. And one of the things I know you've talked about is a messaging strategy. So can you just kind of tell us what is a messaging strategy? Why is that so important? Yeah. You know, what is not a messaging strategy? I'll say that first, which is just kind of spray and pray, throw up ads, right? Uh, if you're thinking about paid acquisition 2015 to 2019, and it doesn't seem like that long ago, but it really is. Um, you could just throw up ads, you throw up a funnel, long form copy, click funnels, landing page, whatever it may be, and you could get conversions. I love paid social because it's what we do. But unfortunately, the ease of effort with paid social took away a lot of the need to be a marketer for a long time. Mm -hmm. And we're getting back, as you've seen all these updates with iOS 14.5, and other uh, updates across the platforms, we're getting back to the need where creative and messaging is the number one priority now for paid acquisition campaigns. So what we're doing at BrighterClick and what we see is that, um, first of all, I think Google, Facebook are going to automate the media buying process. You have Google Performance Max, you have Facebook Advantage Plus. And what lever is left to pull for marketers? It is that creative and the messaging, right? So what is messaging strategy? It's looking, starting from the top level, right? So what is your brand? Uh, what are your core values? What is your core messaging you're trying to get across? And how can you cascade that down into your acquisition channel and adapt it so it fits how that platform operates? And how can you meet people? So if we're talking about software, right? You know, one key messaging strategy that we see for software, let's say it's like a scheduling software, or maybe it's a um, e-commerce tool that requires a lot of data migration, right? Ease of switchover, ease of use. We know that a lot of people are potentially not converting for your software because they're concerned, okay, how long is it going to take me to migrate my entire calendar or book of business over? How long is it going to take me to migrate my entire website system over, right? Mm -hmm address that in your messaging, like address that in your ads. Cause if you don't, they're going to do their own research and maybe your competitors are messaging that maybe they're not. So that's just one example, but messaging strategy is really understanding your customer, understanding your brand, having strategy and purpose behind what you put out there and then testing and measuring it properly. So you can move towards or move away from one specific type of messaging or creative. I love it. I, I, I totally agree. I love when, in copy and ads, in copy on your website, even within, <clears throat> excuse me, within your sales process, address their objections. And if you can figure out what those objections are and understand how to address those and overcome those, it's really critical. 100%. And that falls into uh, product development as well, right? I mean, if you keep your ears toward the customer, you can understand how you may need to shift certain product development focuses down the road as well. I would agree. Uh, so I want to ask you, what mistakes are people making with their messaging? What what are they doing wrong? And right there, I think that's one of them that I've heard is that they don't know their customers well enough or they don't talk to them enough. What do you think? Yeah, I think, um, you know, once again, social media made it easy for a long time. So I think doing market research is skipped. One thing that I consistently see is that we're always in a super fast pace mode. Like business is always in a super fast pace mode. So doing that branding, having a brand guidebook, having a brand Bible can be skipped. And with that, it's that mindset skip of let's just go to acquisition. And what 
you often see happen there is because agencies operate in specialization, which I agree with. I think that's how they should. You have one chant or one agency for Google, one for Facebook, one for TikTok, one for LinkedIn, right? So you have three to four agencies, all with no centralized branding, mm -hmm. all tasks to create messaging strategy, and they're not communicating, right? Mm -hmm. So the brand is then, or the product is then at the whim of these different ones, and there's no central point communication to align those and then strategize that way. So I would say the big opportunity is really centralization of your brand message and your strategy and making sure you're tracking performance so you can move that across other channels as they perform. I love it. And so if somebody does it right, you know, they can have their strategic messaging help win with their marketing. What would you say are some of the best ways that strategic messaging can help win when, when they're marketing out there? <clears throat> yeah. So, um, if I'm understanding you correctly, the, the thing that I would look at in terms of how can your strategic messaging help you win is, first of all, it's going to get you your conversion software. If you're product-led, it's going to get you uh, registrations. If you're SDR-led, it's going to get you your booked calls. But the thing that messaging strategy is really going to help with, which is what truly matters with acquisition campaigns for software, is your intent level. And that's the tricky one because that's the one that's uh, super contingent on how each company is measuring that, right? But mm -hmm. making sure that you're putting messaging out there so that the intent level of the registrations or the booked calls is actually there. We all know the classic division between sales team and marketing team uh, and getting booked calls there. Here's one that's outside of the box though. How can messaging strategy help your software or acquisition campaigns for your software company? As we've moved towards different targeting tactics post iOS 14.5, especially on Facebook and Instagram, we're going towards broader audiences. We used to focus on running ads to 1 million, 2 million sized people audiences. Now we're running ads to 150 to 200 million sized people audiences. Wow. But if you look in Ads Manager, it's only showing ads to 0 0.05 to 0.1% of those people. So you're relying on the algorithm to find those people. Messaging strategy comes in because consider your ad copy and your creative as on-page SEO if you were trying to optimize your website searchability. So the messaging, the copy, and the creative helps the platform algorithm find your audience in those bigger audiences. So it's not targeting 150 million people. It's targeting... 20,000 here and 100,000 here and 20,000 here in these little split tests. So that is a true way to really win with paid acquisition going forward as targeting becomes a little bit more difficult. Yeah, no doubt. And targeting has been really difficult. I know for our own business and I've seen that with others and people I've talked to, that's, that's, that's really been a struggle. But I, I, I'm curious, when did that happen I'm, uh, you know, targeting a hundred, 150 million people seems crazy. Everybody says niche down. Is that, is that a shift that's happened recently? It is. So post iOS 14.5, it's, if you were talking about Facebook, Instagram in specific, right? It's now about go broad, go broad, focus on pulling the lever of creative strategy. So if we're getting a little bit more technical with it, um, used to, you'd be doing like 1% lookalikes or a single interest or two single interests a million, two million, three million people. Now you're focusing on interest stacking. So let's say you have a CBO campaign. You'll have 
one that is interest stack, maybe 40, 60 million people. You'll have one that is 10% lookalike stack, ideally high intent. And then you'll have one that is wide open, that is just age and gender. And once again, from a, from a um, planning standpoint, you say, okay, but we can't just go broad with it. And, you know, 2017, I would agree, but 2022, where we're saying, let the algorithm do the work, you really need to focus on dialing in on your creative and copy. And I'll throw one more tip out there. Your schema markup and your alt tagging on your website also have direct uh, application to how the algorithm can find your audience as well. Because the first traffic from an ad that goes to your website is the Facebook bot understanding what your website is. So that's, that's the trend right now, at least with Facebook, Instagram ads. And isn't it, is it hard to attribute where you're getting all this from is, is tracking where the, the traffic is coming from and finding where your sources are? Is that difficult or are people doing that well? Um, so if we're looking at the broad audience, those are going to be Facebook, like, you know, target abilities, but tracking of course is, um, is getting more and more difficult and it's going to continue to get difficult. If Google finally pulls the trigger after many years of saying they're going to get rid of cookies, who knows what will happen. I am a, so if we're talking about e-commerce, I'm a high proponent of something like triple whale. Um, if we're looking at things for software, it gets a little bit more difficult because there's not a lot of first party data tracking tools out there mm -hmm. that specifically focus on software. So you need ones that have a little bit more open API that way. Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple out there. So I would say definitely look into uh, first party data tracking regardless of what platform you're doing, because you know there's a lot of cross-channel overlap and things like that. And Google Analytics, while it's great, doesn't do what it used to. Uh, and from a Facebook marketer standpoint, I think it's a little biased towards Google for attribution as well. So, hmm. Interesting. Now, aside from strategic messaging, what are you seeing as some of the best growth tactics being used today? If we're talking about growth tactics for software companies or B2B in general, I'm a firm believer that education is the now and the future for B2B marketing. So if we're talking about direct applications, repurpose podcast content, right? Uh, event speaker content repurposed, anything that is educational, because we're past the point to where people... You know, when we're thinking about television, radio, early internet, like people didn't have as much control over their attention as they do now, right? They can easily and will gladly block your ad or move on to the next thing on their timeline. So creating captivating content that educates and adds to them and gives them the trust and uh, belief in your product or in your company that you can provide what they need is the key. Honestly, I believe that is mm -hmm. the key. So I love it. I love it. So let me learn about brighter click a little bit more with you guys. What are some of the things you guys did early that really helped you and really kind of accelerated your own growth? You know, I think the best thing personally decision-wise that I made at the beginning was investing in external resources as early as I could. So finding uh, a great operations or business development consultant, not somebody that's focused just on sales, not like a BDR, but someone that is really focused on making sure we have the right people in the right seats, making sure that we have proper processes and SOPs in place to serve our clients properly, making sure that we're operating at good margins, having external resources, people that have already been there. You know, even though 
any listeners, you may be coming out with a, a groundbreaking software or something like that. A lot of times the general business model, the general functions, the general staffing, those things are still pretty uniform across the board, right? So having somebody like that has been very impactful for me. I love it. So when you say external, is this somebody that's kind of like a consultant that looks at what you've got going on and makes sure that your SOPs are good, make sure your processes are good, all that? Yes, 100%. So external consultant. And you know, we started out with one that um, wasn't agency specific. They were just business specific, right? Mm-hmm. You know, learned some great things. But when we made a pivot towards finding a consultant that had worked with dozens and dozens of big companies, but also really big agencies and knew the agency mm-hmm. world, new staffing for agencies. And we started doing group coaching calls and then quickly moved to where we pay for uh, X amount of time per week for that consultant to work within our business and train our team and coach and uh, do what is needed there. It's It's been really pivotal for us. I love it. That's that's awesome. And obviously, as a sales coach, I'm all about people finding that external help somewhere. Yeah. I believe in getting help. I believe in coaching. I have a coach myself. A lot of people come to me for their help and, and growth. Getting that perspective from outside the organization can be really important because sometimes they see things that you don't see and they have knowledge from other experiences that your team didn't have. So I love that advice. That's excellent. What about some things that maybe didn't go well that you wish you could have avoided? How much time do we have? Do we have enough? Um, <laughs> so, my story too. Yeah. You know, there's a couple. Um, Broader Click was really my first business venture. So there was a lot of things that I've learned along the way. One in specific, and I have a few, but one in specific would be directly associating headcount growth with company growth. You know, when you see you're on social media, you're on LinkedIn, you're seeing people tout their uh, MRR or their headcount growth or things like that. And I had it in my mind that checking off hiring some or getting someone new in the company was a symbolic measure of us growing. And, you know, um, as we went into Q1 of 2022 this year and Q2, and just kind of looking at margins Q1 2021 compared to 2022 with new staff and making sure that we're not overstaffing and really focusing on uh, optimizing uh, with fewer employees, not overworking, but making sure we have proper systems set up so that they can function more efficiently. That was a big one. Um, You know, another one that's been big for me is just the overall hiring process. Um, We now, uh, so uh, we do a pretty strict hiring process. We have a couple of forms that need to be filled out for technical skills for each role before, but we put everybody through a paid trial project for their role mm. and then bring them on for a trial period of 30 days with clear deliverables and clear expectations. Um, and then move to a three month probation period with clear deliverables and clear timelines and things like that from there. So just making sure that we're putting the right people uh, to work on our client accounts as well. So those are two big things I've learned. I love that. I love the idea of, uh, of a paid trial. Like it's, you both can figure out, Hey, is this something for us? Is this, exactly. something, you know, they can see, is this something I like? It's something, exactly. I like, you know, in terms of my role, these people, all that. And then you can decide, Hey, is this the right fit? Are they actually capable at doing what they said that they can do? I think that's, I, I love that one. Exactly. It's a two-way door. Just like you said, I mean, it's not just the company finding a good employee. It's the employee finding a good fit at a company as well, for sure. Beautiful. So wrapping up here, what advice would you have for other software leaders who are just starting out and wanting to grow and find ways to do it? 
Yeah, you know, I would say don't skip finding your market fit and your brand messaging. And, you know, I fully understand if you're listening and you're pre-Series A, in the middle of Series A, you may have that. Um, understand that will probably change quite a bit once you leave Series A. Things change, you know, with funding and growth and things like that. But don't skip finding your market fit and your messaging and don't go straight to acquisition. Acquisition can be a great opportunity to test that but make sure you have that mindset. Don't just go straight to trying to get um, acquisition paid ads running, right? Because mm. you'll have a better chance just going straight to outbound sales if, that, if that's the, the tactic you want to go for there. So don't skip your overall identity, I guess would be the best thing that I could say. I love it. That's great advice for sure. Well, Colby, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all your wisdom. How can our audience learn more about you and Brighter Click? I appreciate it, Matt. Yeah, you can follow me on LinkedIn. So look for Colby Flood on LinkedIn uh, or go to our website. One thing that we have on our homepage is uh, on the hero section is a little link that you can click to download a up-to-date uh, creative performance guide where we show you the top performing ad creatives that we're seeing uh, on the market right now. So feel free to add me on LinkedIn or go to the website and check that out. That's fantastic. I may have to look at that for myself as well. Yeah, Thank you for all yeah. of that. That's for sure. Yeah. And we'll put all that in the show notes or in the description if you're looking at this on YouTube. But Colby, thank you so much for coming in. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me, Matt. Absolutely. And thank you guys for listening and watching. If you are new to the show, definitely subscribe right now. Make sure you hit that button. That's going to get you connected so that every time someone else comes out on the show who's amazing like Colby is, you're going to be up to date and you'll be notified so you can get all the best insights. Thank you for coming. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Take care.